Let's hear a good, hearty amen. amen. I'm going to talk to somebody tomorrow. I'm going to say the church was so excited. They were amening before I even started last night. Yep. Yeah. So let's, uh, uh, let's turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter number 11, and I'll open us up with prayer. Uh, welcome everybody to Wednesday Night Deep Dive. Welcome everybody that is online tonight or tomorrow or the next night. We appreciate you joining us. So Father God, thank you Lord for this great night. Thank you for this church. Thank you for everybody that is in this deep dive in person or online or tomorrow night or the next night. Uh, Lord God, help me to teach this tonight. Help us to learn and help us to be better going out than we were coming in. In the name of Jesus, we all said amen, amen and amen and amen and amen. Um, I want to talk tonight about two things. Um, can you hear me okay? Yeah. It sounds kind of muted up here. So, um, two things tonight that will begin a new series for us on Deep Dive. Uh, the series will be entitled Having Covenant Faith. And, and the two things I want to look at tonight, just as a series opener, and then we'll, we'll get into it heavy next week, um, is number one, the operation of faith in the life of the Christian. And again, this is a series entitled Having Covenant Faith. Um, so we want to look at the operation of faith in the life of the Christian. And second, we're going to look at using our faith to tap into the covenant promises of God. So here's the grand message about man and man's faith in the covenants of God. Multiple covenants of God. And we find that in the faith chapter um, of the Bible, Hebrews chapter number 11. And it's a very familiar passage, verse number 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So, a rewarder of those who seek him. So, what's the reward? The rewards of seeking God are laid out in his covenants, in his promises to mankind. So, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, one thing never ever changes. That everything we will ever gain from God will come through faith in the covenant promises that he's made to us. For, for everything that I see in the covenants of God that I want to see happen in my life, um, it's going to take God and his miraculous power to fulfill those things. Amen? Uh, something Robert Schuller said many, many, many years ago, and, and it changed me just a little bit. Um, he said this. He said, the problem with most Christians is they don't think big enough to fit God into the answer. Yeah. We don't think big enough to where God has to fit in that answer. So, how, how many knows that there are things in our lives that if God doesn't display his power, they're not going to happen? Amen? Yeah. Unless God intervenes, there are things that we want to see happen that's never going to happen. This is why you and I need to develop, I want to use two words here, authoritative prowess in these two areas of our life. We need to have authoritative prowess in our faith and our faith in using it to gain the promises of God in his covenant. So our faith and making application of our faith to the covenant promises of God is what we need to develop authoritative prowess in. So here's a good question. 
what good are the covenant promises if we don't know what they are? Amen? If we don't know what the covenant promises of God are, you know, um, I, I, could, I could run up to a homeless person. They have nothing. They're hungry. Uh, they're destitute. They're cold. And say, what have I promised you? Why are you living this way? And they could say, I don't know what you promised me. I, I don't know. You see? And a lot of times, the body of Christ is in the same situation. You hear what I'm saying? If, if uh, what good are covenant promises if we don't know what they are? Here's the second question. What good is it to know God's promises if we're not willing to go to war for them? You see? So, um, turn to... Um, 2 Corinthians, chapter number 2. Um, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, chapter number 2. 1 Corinthians. And let me encourage you. I know phones and tablets are easy. I know that. Um, you can just punch, punch, and, and go right to the Scripture. But uh, years ago, as pastoring a church and you ever try to write everything you're learning in the margins of your Bible you know and you highlight and you do all that kind of stuff so finally I got tired of doing that and I um, I finally found a Bible had to pay a good price for it too but I'll show you what I'm talking about um, I found a Bible that had monster margins, okay? Because this, this is the kind of word I need. You see what I'm saying? This is, this is what I need. I need to go to my paper. I need to read the word. And then I need to look at my notes and find the things that I've learned about the word that I've studied. You see what I'm saying? Um, I know phones are easy and they're convenient, but tomorrow, you, you see? So just just a word of encouragement right there. Um, so if I need the operation of faith to see God add rewards to my life from his covenant promises, and we'll get into the covenants uh, next week but if I need the operation of faith to see God add reward to my life how do I get them number one always remember this to walk in faith we must put on the mind of Christ every single day put the mind of Christ on Paul said this he said we need every day to put on the what helmet of what not of steel, huh? Say it again. Salvation. Uh, of salvation. Every day, hey boss. <laughs> we're look. Everybody, just just ignore that the pastors come in here. That's that's okay. <laughs> Guys, we're in we're in First Corinthians chapter uh, number two. Um, so Paul said this, he said, every day you need to put on the helmet of salvation. Here's, here's what the helmet of salvation does for us. Everything in, in God's word, everything, has to be filtered through the fact that you have salvation from Christ. If you can't filter every word of God through that helmet of salvation you are going to bypass all these promises because you'll automatically, by habit, dismiss those things. You, you, you see? Now, now watch this. Here's what the helmet of salvation does. Everything in God's Word is now filtered through the realization that I'm born again, that I'm saved, that I'm not who I used to be, that I can get what I could not get before. See? When I put on the helmet of salvation, 
I say this, I'm redeemed and I've been transferred to the kingdom. I'm redeemed. I'm born again. I'm bought with a price. I am saved. My sins are washed away. My history is gone. I am a new creature in Christ. When I read this word, it belongs to me. It's for kingdom people. The helmet of salvation reminds me every single day that I am a kingdom person. You see? It doesn't matter what I did. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what the enemy is saying to me. The helmet of salvation protects my mind and guides me in these things. Now, and here's where the battlefield starts. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And watch. In verse, now watch this. Watch. Watch. Um, so Jody and I get married. We ought to do that one day, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so Jody and I get married, and next week you find me carousing with my buddies, running around all hours of the night, not working, just playing. Now, I might be married, but what? What's the problem? Huh? Yeah, yeah, I won't be long. Yeah, you're right, John. I, I, I won't be long. As soon as I get hit with that frying pan. I, I might be legally married, but in my mind, you see, in my mind, I'm not married. Now watch this. Look, look what Paul says. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14. But the natural man, when you put the helmet of salvation on, it cha you are no longer a natural thinking person. You are a supernatural thinking person, you see? But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. That, that word in the Greek, appraised, this is so cool, it means to aggressively interrogate. Yeah, to aggressively interrogate. If I, if I was going to uh, aggressively interrogate pastor and, and he said anything, my next response would be, what do you mean by that? I want to know what you mean by that. I want to know where you're coming from. I want to know what that means to me. Aggressively interrogate. So the natural mind can read this but it won't aggressively investigate it. It, it, won't, it won't interrogate it, you see? So, so the natural mind, here's the Word of God. And again, we're, we're starting the series here, having covenant faith. So the natural mind, and we can, here's my point, we can be born again, but still operate from a natural mind. Huh? The natural mind hears the word of God and says, I don't understand it, and I can't apply this to my life. So watch. So the natural thinking person does not appraise the word of God and make application from the word to their life. But the unnatural human being, the unnatural human being has the mind of Christ. You see? Um, he interrogates the Word of God so deeply. And the first interrogation I do, Pastor D, is what does salvation mean for me? Yeah. When I finally interrogate that down to where there's nothing left for me to understand, I come out realizing it doesn't matter what the natural man thinks. I'm a kingdom person. You see? Um, so the, the unnatural mind, the mind of Christ, interrogates the word of God until finally he proclaims, this is what it means, and I'm applying this to my life. 
And nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. Because tomorrow, I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation again. Hmm? And then the next day, I'm going to do that. So, so hold, uh, well, look at, look at verse 15. But he who is spiritual appraises or aggressively interrogates all things. Watch this. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. They can't understand you. That's why your co-workers are still looking at you like you're weird. They, they, they can't understand you. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? Watch. But we have the mind of Christ. We're going to get, we're going to get deeper in this. Uh, hold this area of your Bible and go over to Exodus chapter number 14. Exodus 14. And, and we, we won't spend much time there because we've, we've hit this quite often, but I want to use the picture. I want to look at an, an Old Testament picture, um, and then we'll look at, at the reality of, of what we see. So um, in Exodus 14, this is, this is the Exodus. Um, they're following the cloud, and, um, and they, they cross the river. Now watch this. Um, Exodus 14, verse number 19, And the angel of God, who had been gone before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. Watch, we're going to see a picture, then we're going to see the reality, and I want you to tell me what the picture tells you. The angel who had been going before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. So they're following the cloud. They cross the river, and the cloud moves behind them. They were following the cloud, and now they're in the cloud. The pillar of the cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt, those that did not belong to God, and the camp of Israel, those that do belong to God. And there was the cloud along, or the word is and, there was the cloud and darkness Yet it gave light at night, thus one did not come near the other. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Well, go, go back up where you were. Colossians, I want to go to Colossians. Mm, I want you to see this. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1. Have you got it? Now watch. Here was the picture. They're following the cloud. They passed. Oh, watch, watch, watch. Here's the picture. They're following the cloud. And the cloud led them to pass through the water. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Think, 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 think. Use the mind of Christ. Did you ever at one point in your life follow the leading of God and he finally led you to pass through the water come on 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 you followed God and and then you finally said I'm going to follow him I'm going to pass through the water and the kingdom that you were following moved behind you and you entered the kingdom watch Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 remember it said and there was darkness and there was light the Egyptians were in the darkness the Hebrews were in the light verse 13 for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The shadow, the Old Testament picture, says that after we enter the kingdom, 
there's a separation between us and the rest of the world. I want you to hear me for a moment here. The, the church at large um, has become about superstars and glitz and glamour. And if we've almost taken the mindset that says, if we act like the world, we'll draw them in. Am I right? We see this more and more and more and more. When the Bible shows us that there is a clear separation between the world and the kingdom of God. You see? Listen, that's why we understand things that they don't. Because it's spiritually discerned. Hmm? We can see things that they can't see. Hmm? You can even see people making gestures to you, can't you? Yeah, Jody got a half of a high five from a lady today in a parking lot. Yeah, she had a, what was it she had? A, she had a bumper sticker. God loves everybody, there is no hell. Yeah, God loves everybody, there is no hell. And, and Jody just said, um, it, you can answer that if you want to, yeah. It's probably God calling. Uh, and, and Jody looked at her and she wasn't being smart. She said, oh, is, is that what you believe? And the woman gave her half a peace sign and walked off. So, see, we understand things that they can't understand, evidently. We see things they can't see. You and I have a covenant that they have no access to except through Christ. That's why we need to quit telling our children and our grandchildren how awesome they are and how wonderful they are and how talented they are and how much God needs them and you know God is doing this with you and God is doing that with you and they don't have faith in Christ. It is time that we began to explain to people that we have a covenant that those without Jesus Christ cannot entertain. Amen. I know it's not popular, but it's still the truth. Now watch this. Here's a test. This is only a test. In your present situation that you're facing, I'm sure somebody's facing something. When you look at the covenant promises of God, does it make sense in your situation? Because if it doesn't, you need to put on the helmet of salvation. Huh? If, if we're looking at the Word of God, and God's promises is not uh, applicable to your situation, I just can't believe it, I'm arguing against it, then, then here's what you need to do. You need to say to the Lord, help me right now, help me to have the mind of Christ while I read this. Help me, Lord, I need to put on the mind of Christ do you think Jesus ever argued the Word of God? Ever doubted the Word of God? That's the mind we need, Stanley. We need, we need to look at that Word and we need to say, Lord, I'm going to read it again. Give me the mind of Christ. I'm going to read it again. Give me the mind of Christ. I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to read this and I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation. Give me the mind of Christ. Here's, here's the second thing. We operate in faith toward covenant promises when we take on the personality of the Holy Spirit. It's time for the church to get strong and not be weak. Listen, to take on the personality 
if I'm going to take on the personality of Pastor Brent, I do that by taking on the person of Pastor Brent. We don't need the Holy Spirit's help. We need to take on the person of the Holy Spirit. Say, now watch. So, uh, first, watch, 1 Corinthians 6.17 says this, but the one who joins himself with the Lord is one spirit with him. Please, please hear this. The more we take on the personality of the Holy Spirit, the more we become one with the person of Jesus. Listen, listen, listen. When we put on the helmet of salvation and say, Lord, I'm going to operate today with the mind of Christ. No doubting, no arguing, lifting holy hands, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I take you on right now. I take on your personality. I take on your person. You and I, Holy Spirit, are one being. Are you hearing me? We are now one being. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to walk out our life. Listen, Lord, I know I'm redeemed by the blood. I know. <laughs> I know I'm redeemed by the blood. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I have been transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. I live there, I breathe there, I dwell there. I know, we just, we just finished a series about the anointing. I know that, that I operate in the anointing. Remember I said this Sunday morning that for us to say, Lord, give me the anointing, Lord, give me the anointing, Lord, give me the anointing is, is like wasting our breath asking God for air to breathe. We've already got it. We're already swimming in it. We're already existing in it. Lord, thank you that I have the mind of Christ. Right now, Holy Spirit, I take you as a person and I apply you to my life. You and I are one person. I know, Holy Spirit, that you and I are one being right now. Now, Lord, help me to walk this day out in the person of the Holy Spirit. Hmm? If we do this, it'll help us to walk in the next truth. Watch. Our faith. You ever draw a line in the sand, so to speak, one way or another? Had enough, enough is enough. You ever said that to somebody? And you meant it too. Not enough is enough and I'll put up with more. No, this is it. We've come to a conclusion of the matter. Watch. Our faith is the only thing that we have that will draw a covenant line in the sand where the enemy is concerned. This is where we stop the enemy from hindering our life. Go, go to uh, um, Hebrews chapter number 6. Hebrews 6. And, and um, let me tell you, um, what I'm talking about, um, this, this church is a good example of time frame. The average Christian, the average Christian, it is said, spends about six to ten minutes a week in the Word of God. Because that's how long it takes Pastor Brent to go through his scriptures on Sunday morning message. I mean, just go owe me or ouch, one or the other. Huh? Um, listen, 
I like soaking. Jody loves soaking music. She'll, she'll soak in that worship, soak in that worship. We also need to soak in the Word, huh? We need to soak in this thing. It's got to be our sustenance, okay? Now watch. The Bible is all about covenants. We're going to be covering covenants in this series. Um, how is it that we know that God will never destroy the earth with a flood again? How do we know that? It's the, the rainbow. It's a covenant, you see? Uh, Exodus 2, 24, God heard the moanings of Israel and he remembered his covenant with them. Uh, Jesus, he set aside the old covenant to bring in a new covenant uh, and gave us the Holy Spirit as a down payment to prove to us that, that he gave us that covenant. So watch, when, when the devil attempts to steal what's been promised to us, He's attempting to cross that covenant line. You see? Um, when, when, watch this, watch. When God makes a covenant promise, this is, this is so good. Um, if, if Pastor David said, uh, uh, Ted, I'll meet you here tomorrow at noon. And I looked at him and said, liar, how much faith does that show in David? Yeah. You, you see? So what if David said, I swear by my children's life, I'll be here tomorrow. Okay, I'm buying it now, okay? Yeah. I'm buying it. Watch, watch this, watch this. Um, when God makes a covenant promise, he had nobody to swear by, so he swore on himself. You see? Look at Hebrews 6, um, 6.13. For when God made the promise to Abraham, stop. Galatians Chapter number 3. When God made the promise to Abraham. Galatians 3 verse 9. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law having become a curse for us. For it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree in order that in Christ Jesus the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promises of the Spirit through faith. Verse 29, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants and heirs according to the promise. Back into Hebrews 6.13, for when God made the promise to Abraham, who else did he make the promise to? Us, us. Put on the helmet of salvation. Understand this. Since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise, for men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath is given as confirmation, and it's an end to this dispute. I, I swear it, and I give you an oath. I promise, and I give you an oath. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed or guaranteed with an oath that by these two unchangeable things, the promise and the oath, I swear, in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement, listen, to take hold of the hope set before us. You know, according to this, only an unsaved person 
or a saved person that still has an unsaved mind would argue these things. Mm -hmm. Hmm? Only an unsaved person or a saved person that, that still has an unsaved brain would argue with this stuff. You see? Uh, go to Joshua 14. Joshua 14. You, you know what's funny? I can hear it. You guys can't. At every step here, uh, Pastor Brent is going, ooh, you need to go here. And then I do the scripture and I hear him go, <laughs> Every once in a while I miss it, David, and he goes, yeah. <laughs> Joshua 14. God promised Caleb an inheritance in Canaan. And now Caleb is 85 years old. Well, if God was going to do it, hmm? I was studying this today, stepped on my foot, stepped on my foot. I needed to read it. Caleb was 85 years old and still believed God's word so much he would not be denied what God had promised him. Look at Joshua 14, verse number 6. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. Now watch this. I want to show you something. Here are just a few ways that the enemy is going to attempt to cross your covenant line with God. Okay, watch. The enemy's going to come to you. Now you're going to stay. You found a promise. You aggressively interrogated that promise with the mind of Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit. And you said, it's promised to me and I'm going to have it. That's all there is to it. It's promised to me, and I'm going to have it. And here's the first thing the enemy does. He tries to cross that covenant line, get over in your face, and set up arguments. Now watch this. The first thing he's going to do is send people with negative words from your own camp. Hmm? Are, are you hearing me? He's going to send in people with... And here's the, here's the most dangerous kind, Pastor. It's saved people with unsaved brains. Because he can talk to them, you see. And they're going to come to you and they're going to go, well, you know, they start this way. Well, you know. Look at verse number 7. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought word back to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I followed the Lord fully. You'll have people that's going to come up to you, you're making proclamation, you have aggressively interrogated the word, you have come out of your time with the mind of Christ and the person of Holy Spirit, and you said, I see no reason whatsoever in the universe that I can't have this, it's mine. And a brother or sister, in the family or in the family of God, is going to come and go, well, you know, don't let those words cross that covenant line. Draw the faith line in the sand. This is as far as you get, and you don't get any further. 
Mm -hmm. I'm not entertaining that stuff. That is not of faith. That is not of the mind of Christ. That is not the person of the Holy Spirit. And my Lord God swore by himself an oath that he cannot lie that these things are mine. Watch this. Here's the second thing the enemy will try to cross the covenant line. He's going to do it through your age. Verse 10. Now behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years. From the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am 85 years old today, and I'm still strong enough as I was in the day Moses sent me, as my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and for coming in. Caleb said this. He said, not only am I still strong enough to keep moving. He said, if I got to go to war for this thing, I'll go to war for this thing. I'll fight. I'll keep on fighting. You see? Here's, here's the third thing. So, when, um, how many's ever had that age, age thing speak to you? Huh? L listen, listen. If you don't speak to your age, your age will speak to you. <laughs> Am I right, Jody? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, we've had these conversations. We've, we've, <laughs> uh, the, the poor old thing is slower than she used to be, you know. Poor old thing. I may need a ride home tonight. <laughs> or I may need a home tonight. I'm not too sure. But, but we, we've talked about this. If, if, you don't, if you don't speak to your age, your age is going to speak to you. If you don't speak to your bank account, your bank account's going to speak to you. You see? Now, now watch this. And we need to say, no, you are not, there's the line in the sand. I am not backing up. I am not quitting. This is going to happen. Okay? Here, here's the third thing. The enemy will try to cross your covenant line by how high the mountain is in front of you. The enemy's going to say things like, oh, it's too big for you. You can't win. Go ahead. Give up. Slow down. Go to sleep. Lay down, watch TV. Look what Caleb said about these kind of statements. Verse 12. Now then, give me this hill country. I like the other translation. Give me this mountain. About which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakin, the giants, were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me. And I'll drive them out as the Lord has spoken. Listen to me. Caleb understood the best way to protect your covenant line is to keep moving forward, Stanley. That's the best way to protect your covenant line is to keep moving forward. Uh, last scripture. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 4. And this will be the best piece of information you're going to get out tonight, I think. So, I'm, I'm opening up here tonight the series, Having Covenant Faith. How do I literally pull in the operation of faith into my covenant promises? Number one, we have to transform our thinking through the Word of God. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If, if you're going to run a marathon, I promise you, I guarantee you, if you overeat and don't exercise and don't get out there and run, you will not accomplish your marathon. You just, you just won't do it. Yeah. We can go to every conference, every faith conference in the land. But if we do not go back home and immerse ourselves in this word, 
Hmm? Watch this. Watch this. Um, we need to transform our thinking through the Word of God. Look, look at this. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter number 4. In verse number 5. See, I have taught you statutes and judgments. Talking about the Word. Just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do thus in the land where you are entering to possess it. So if you're going into this land to possess what God has said that you can possess, here's what he says to do. So keep them and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people. Watch. This Here's what God says. This is your wisdom. And this is your understanding. If you're going to possess what you see in God's word as a covenant promise to you, it is imperative that this become your wisdom and this become your understanding. You see? Um, look what he says. Um, for this, for for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who will hear all these statutes and say, "Surely, surely, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it?" as is the Lord our God whenever we call on Him. This is your wisdom. And this is your understanding. And when the family members or church family members come and say, yeah, but you don't understand. You're right. You're exactly right. Because this is my wisdom and this is my understanding. You see? Well, you just don't understand. You're right. I totally agree. This is my wisdom. This is my understanding. You see? Um, second, I'm going to close here. We need to be persuaded by only what we see in the covenant promises of God. God sent Joshua and Caleb and, and uh, ten other ding-dongs we, we put it like this. Uh, God sent 12 preachers to spy out the land. And 10 came back and said, it's there and we can't have it. Two came back and said, it's there and let's go get it. Okay? Here's God's message in that. When you spy out what God has for you, His promises, here's what He wants you to know, Sandy. You can have what you see. Amen. Mm. You can have what you see. When you pick this book up, you can have what you see. That's his message in all of Canaan. Yeah, you're going to have to fight some giants. But you can still have what you see. You see? Now watch. Hmm. Third, embrace God's covenant promises as your own. Put on the helmet of salvation. I am a receiver of what the Bible says that I can have because it's my kingdom. I have already been transferred there. Begin to confess the promises are mine. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For as many as are the promises of God Ooh, I tripped you up last week, didn't I? All the promises of God are yes, yes and then and then the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Mm. And we thought we were smart when we said, I know what God's word says, but we thought we was just being clever. <laughs> You want to bring real glory to God? All the promises of God are yes in Christ. And we speak the amen to the glory of God. Last one. 
Refuse to allow the enemy to cross your covenant line. Be willing to war. Because God said for me to tell you this tonight. You really are as strong as you ever was. You really, really are. It's time for this church to make an absolute blown out covenant faith change. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up. Pastor, you got anything? Come again. Covenant of salvation from the Old Testament. Next week, Pastor Brent is going to be teaching on the Old Testament covenant of salvation. Oh, it's going to be good. I could tell it's going to be good because he was sitting there going, mm, mm, mm. Sound like Frankenstein when he does that. Mm, 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 mm. That means he got a good bone to chew. Amen? Amen. Father God, bless these people as they pursue your covenant promises. Bless them with the mind of Christ. Bless them with the person of the Holy Spirit. Let this be a night where we draw a covenant line in the sand and say, I will not be moved. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen and amen.